Please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Erin Barton. And I'm Laura Farley. Remember, Caveat Realtors meant to provide general legal information. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hey, Erin. Hey, Laura. How are you? Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you, too. You don't sound as happy as I am. I guess I was just a little surprised by that. <laughs> well, I'm glad. <laughs> Hopefully, we will not be surprising our members with the changes to the standard forms that went effective, went live on January 1st at tw- on 2018, as close to midnight as we could possibly get them without tying people to chairs and making them sit there at midnight. That is what our topic today is. It's going to be an update on the forms and what changed. Uh, Just as a reminder, we try to release all of our forms either on January 1st or July 1st of every year. There are a couple of exceptions to that. And the big one is usually if there's a major court case or changes to the regulations. Back in, I think it was 2015, we did release in April because of a change to the regulations or an interpretation by the VREB. But as a general rule of thumb, it's going to be January 1st and July 1st. We try to do the property management forms release on July 1st because... The VRLTA gets changed every single year, so there's always a legal change. And then just to keep things balanced, we try to release everything else on January 1st. In advance of each release date, you'll be able to find a summary of the changes along with the redline version of each form on our website, virginiarealtors.org. At the top of the standard form section, there'll be a link to the, the current changes. Also know that the formatting can be a little wonky in those redline versions sometimes. Rest assured that we've kept all of the forms as short as possible. So if a form looks like it has a signature lines on a second page or a third page or whatever, chances are that it's probably due to the formatting in the red line. And when you get your clean versions up, uploaded into zip forms or Instanet or on our website, it's not going to. So don't send me those, hey, Laura, please fix this and make this shorter. It's, it's probably just the red line version. And when the new forms are released, it'll be the right formatting. So the standard form subcommittee of the risk management committee has said that they're going to try and review every form at least once every five years, even if there aren't any changes. This way, you know, the forms are current, not only with the law, but also with industry practice. And to help facilitate this, you'll start to see two dates on the bottom of each form, a revision date, that's when the form was last revised, and a review date when the form was last looked at. This way you'll know if a form's been looked at but hasn't been revised. Right. Usually those numbers are going to, those dates are going to match, but occasionally they won't. Right. And if you have any suggestions for Virginia Realtors Standard Form Subcommittee, you can send those suggestions uh, to our email address, which is forms at virginiarealtors.org. And all of those emails that come in, and we do get many of them, are printed out and everyone is looked at by the standard form subcommittee and considered. Right. And if you forget that email address, we do have that email address listed on the standard forms portion of our website. So if you're ever like, what was that email address? Just go check the top of that page and you'll have it again. Okay. So let's talk about this round of updates. We have 10 forms that are being amended, one new form, and two forms that have been deleted. In this podcast, we're going to cover some of the highlights, but if you want to read about all of the changes, you can check out uh, the Redline version on our website, like we just mentioned. So let's start with the, I think what most people will see is the best news, and that's the forms that are being deleted, because 
I tend to get yelled at whenever we add forms, so I'm going to assume that means people will be happy when I'm removing forms. The first form that's being deleted is Form 400A, which is the Information on Residential Property. So part of the reason that this form was being removed is that it was supposed to be used in conjunction with the listing agreement to get some basic statistical kind of information about the various aspects of the property. How many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, is there a garage door opener, those types of things. Um, what was offered and all those types of things. But we discovered that the form hadn't been updated since 2008 in large part because most MLSs or firms have their own forms that are gonna have to be used. And since this form didn't seem to be getting a lot of use, it was decided that it may not be worth maintaining and therefore it should probably be removed. And this form was basically just a checklist for the agent to make sure they've gotten all the information about the property? Right, exactly. I mean, it was fill in the blanks. And, you know, when standard forms first started looking at it, there were so many things that needed to be updated. There were no references. I don't think there were any references to, like, security systems, which have become much more common. Things change. A lot Mm -hmm. of things change in 10 years. And so rather than trying to bring this form up to what common practice today was, since we didn't think it was used very often, that the committee decided that, We should just go ahead and get rid of it. Well, the second form that's been deleted is a form that was titled Service Agreement. It's Form 480. And this form had not been updated also since 2007 and did not seem to be used very often. Also, in revamping the Limited Service Buyer Agency Agreement, which is Form 470, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, the Standard Form Subcommittee did not feel that Form 480 was necessary any longer, so it has been deleted. Right, and so these were two forms that were reviewed by Standard Forms as part of their goal to try and touch every form once every five years or so. Obviously, both of these had been, it's been 10 years, 11 years since either of them had been reviewed, and so... You know, they're working their way. They started with the forms that had been revised the longest ago, and so these were two of those. Let's switch over now and talk about some of the amended forms. So these are existing forms that were updated. The first one that I want to talk about is Form 270, which is the Renewal of Lease Agreement. This form was updated to add a second page that the tenant could use to terminate the lease when they were sent the renewal notice. So the renewal notice allows you to send them something that basically says we're raising your rent or we're changing the terms. Please sign and send back saying that you agree. Don't worry, there is language on that form that says if they fail to sign and agree and return it to you that they're agreeing to be bound by it. And we have that in the lease as well. But a lot of the property managers said to us, you know what? Oftentimes we have to give them this form 60 or 90 days in advance. And we just want to know. We want to know if they're going to return it or not or if they're going to terminate the lease. And it's better to know. And so... From a request based on some of the things that the property managers were saying, we added a second page. And this new page that is separate, it doesn't have a page number, so people aren't going, well, where's page two of two? Or where's page one of two? It's a, a second page that is a notice of termination that the tenant can use to terminate their lease. So if they're going to leave, they tell you up front. And the good thing about this form, it has some required information and some some really good, useful information for you. First of all, it has a field for them to to give you their forwarding address so you know where to send the security deposit if you're going to be returning it or not. And then the other thing is that under the VRLTA, the tenant has to be informed of their right to be at the move-out inspection. And then you have to ask them whether they want to attend or not. And so now there's a, a statement that says you're entitled to be there. Do you want to be there or not? Yes or no. So that you can get some of that information and it's all kind of in one place and you don't have to keep going back and forth. Oh, yeah, and this. Oh, yeah, and that. 
Well, Form 320, the resident selection criteria, is another property management form that was amended. The form was updated primarily in the criminal background check section in order to bring it in compliance with the 2016 HUD guidance on criminal background checks. So there were some small changes to the form in other places, but that was the biggest change was to address the criminal background check language in that. Right. And I also just want to add here, two of the forms that we've talked about are both property management. And I know that I said originally we tried to keep the property management for a July 1 release, but we don't see laws in the laws coming out in the 2018 General Assembly seriously impacting either of these. And there is a need for them. So that's why we've made those changes and we're releasing them in January of this year. The next amended form that I want to talk about, Erin, is Form 470, which is the buyer agency agreement, which you briefly mentioned earlier. It's been at least six years since this form was last reviewed, and so it was drastically changed. The content wasn't seriously changed, but it looks like somebody bled all over the paper when you look at the redline version of it. And the reason for that is that we went and we mirrored it to all of the other brokerage agreements. So a few years ago, we made all of the brokerage agreements similar. So you always knew that you went to paragraph two to find the, you know, this information or paragraph four for this, or this is where the broker's fee was. And so when we brought Form 470 into matching all the rest of those, that makes it look like there's a lot, but there's not a whole lot of actual substantive changes. It's mostly formatting changes. And this Form 470 is a buyer agency agreement, but for a limited service relationship, right? Right, exactly. So I'm only going to help you get into the houses. So I'm going to go show you the houses or, hey, you've already found a house, so I'm just going to help you write the contract, things like that. If you're not going to provide them full services that would normally come under a buyer agency agreement. The next form that was amended is the Residential Contract of Purchase, Form 600, hopefully the form that you are all using on a regular basis. We had one small but very important update to the sales contract. In the earnest money deposit paragraph, it is now clarified that if the earnest money deposit will be given at a later date, which is defined as the extended deposit date, the money will be deposited within five business banking days of receipt. So in the past, it was not clear whether the broker had five business banking days after the extended deposit date, even if the money was received before the deadline. And this was a change to hopefully clarify that. Right. And Aaron, I want, before we move on, I want to kind of really drill down on this and drive the point home. So let's, let's take a hypothetical situation here. Let's say that I, you're my agent and the check is in the mail. I've mailed you my earnest money deposit. And we put in there that I have 15 days for the extended deposit date. Just because we're at the holiday season, the mail system is a little bit slower, knowing that they're inundated with Christmas packages recently, may take a little while to get through to you. But miraculously, it gets to you on day three. So when would that deposit be due now under the new language? I, it got to you on day three, but the contract says I have until day 15 to deposit it. So when do I have to have that deposited by? Well, you would have five business banking days from whenever that earnest money deposit was received. So day with, eight, day, assuming they were all business banking days in between. Right. So it, it's triggered by that three, the, whenever you get the check, as opposed to potentially you having the check and you can sit on it for, you got it on day three and you had until day 20. That's what, 17 days that you have the potential to lose that check. 
And again, we just want to be clear, this isn't a change to the law of earnest money deposits. It's still five business banking days following the date of ratification or the date otherwise agreed to by both parties in the contract. And because right. this language is agreed to by both parties, that is the new deadline. It's not a change to the law, but if you're using the Virginia Realtors contract, you have to be aware of this. Right. And basically, we wanted to make sure that everybody realized it's five business banking days from when you receive it so that it kind of the receipt is what's triggering that deadline, not some potential future date. So it really is hopefully giving agents and brokers a little bit, you know, easier day to calculate when a deadline would be. So the next form is Form 600-F. It's the Homeowner's Insurance Addendum. Uh, if you listen to the previous episode on flood insurance that John and I recorded, we referenced this form briefly. This addendum was updated to make it clear that it can be used for homeowner's insurance, flood insurance, or any other type of insurance. So there's a homeowner insurance box, there's a flood insurance box, and then there's an other where you'd fill out whatever other type of insurance you'd be using. It's a form that I don't think is used very often, but it might start getting used a little bit more. It should be used if your buyer is concerned about the potential cost of insurance, whether it's regular insurance, flood insurance, or something else. It gives them a contingency to find an insurance policy within set parameters during a period of time. And if they're not able to get that particular insurance policy with the limits that are set forth in the agreement, then they can terminate the contract. And the final form that we're going to talk about today that was amended is the referral agreement. That's form 800. And this is the form that you use to send referrals agent to agent. Right. Very important to get those agreements documented as Abs well. Absolutely. We made one small tweak to the language, which may have a larger impact in the use of this form. After receiving a legal hotline question asking whether the percentage listed on the referral agreement was for the total commission or just the portion for the referred client. So this actually came up a lot when I was selling real estate. If you are referred a listing and then you also end up finding a buyer and representing a buyer for that property or the buyer is unrepresented, does the agent that made the referral get the commission just on what they referred or on the entire transaction? Right, because in theory, I have agreed to give you a percentage of my commission and if I get both sides of the commission, what percentage do I owe you? Do, do I owe you a percentage of the whole shebang or just of for the client that you referred me to? Right. So that was definitely not clear before. There's been a tweak to the language to clarify the standard forms. Subcommittee thought it would be a good idea to um, just make their intent with that portion of the referral agreement known. And so you'll see that change done as well. Right. And I've heard some people already say that have, you know, that we're on standard forms or risk management, that they feel like they should be entitled to a percentage of the whole thing of whatever the, the receiving agent gets. And if that's the case, then you can cross out that language. I mean, we're certainly not restricting a, a business practice in any way. This is just a baseline. And then if you need to modify it for your particular situation, you can. Absolutely. The two agents can make any kind of business decision they want. The purpose was just to actually clarify it in the language on the paper. Right. So that we didn't have people having to go to an arbitration hearing to, to fight it out. Right. So we have two forms that were reviewed and only have a change in the footer. And these are two more of the forms that were reviewed as part of the policy of reviewing everything within a few years. And those are form 620 and 630, the purchaser's acknowledgement of receipt for the POA disclosure and the condo resale packet. 
obviously all that form is saying is I, the buyer, acknowledge that I received the documents signed John Hancock. And so because that's all the form says, there didn't need to be a change, but we've now added to the bottom of that. And that's one place that you'll see that the forms were revised in 2008, but reviewed in 2018. So that's one place you're going to notice that there's a difference between those two dates. So they're being updated, but not really. Okay, and we have one new form. This is going to be Form 900A. It is the Termination of Property Management Agreement. It's our only new form for January 2018. And, of course, it's a property management form, again, coming out in January instead of July. But it's something that's been requested for a while, and we finally have it ready to release, so we wanted to go ahead and do that. Right. This form is used to terminate the property management agreement, either during the term of a lease or at the end of a lease, specifies how that relationship should be dissolved. Yeah, and it includes any money owed as part exactly. of that. So it's crystal clear to that property to the property owner how much they owe you as the property manager before you end your relationship. Exactly. Don't worry, we, we, we've got your back when it comes to the money. So let's talk about a couple of ways that you can limit your risk. The biggest one is going to be by using standardized forms that are released by Virginia Realtors or your local association or your local MLS. Um, as I've said in past podcasts, some e insurance carriers won't cover you if you're not using a form that has been drafted or reviewed by either a local trade association or an attorney. So limit your risk by using these standardized contracts and then customizing them as needed. Be familiar with the forms. And one way to do that is to be aware of what's changing on the forms and since you're listening to this podcast, that means you are aware of these current changes. The final thing that you can do is review the changes to the forms before you start using them to make sure you know about those differences that may change how the form works or key language. As Aaron and I were saying, that one little tiny change to the EMD paragraph in the sales contract could make a big difference on certain transactions. If people have had a practice of waiting until the end of that extended deposit date and then an additional five days in order to deposit checks, they're going to have to change how that works in their office at this point. Well, and an easy way to do that is like we mentioned, go to the page on the website that has all the redline versions. That way you can see exactly what changes were made and determine whether you know those are going to have a big impact on your business practices. Right. And, and one of the ways we've tried to make this easier for you all is by trying to stick to that January 1, July 1 release. So you know when to expect things. Because if you you know, if we release forms willy-nilly, then you won't necessarily know when to look for those changes. But now you know to look in December and June of every year, that's when you're going to look for those forms. And if we ever have to change off cycle like we did that April, we'll make sure to make a big deal about it so that you guys are all well aware that those are coming. Thank you for joining us today. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes, and be sure to rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. Make sure you're logged in to see this page. All of the members of this podcast are attorneys. The legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. 
The information provided by Virginia Realtors is a general reference work as a public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of the competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2018. This podcast features the song Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons attribution share-alike license.